Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast. Where our goal is to make politics more accessible and less intimidating. The show features an interview with an expert in the political field, walking us through the many cues we have about politics, civics, government, and more. By providing civic education in the places we are. On our phones. And in the language we speak. And yes, you know, we say like a lot. It's kind of the point. Because politics needed a rebrand. Welcome back to Girl on the Gov, the podcast, and welcome back to your first video episode in a minute. We've gone on a video hiatus there for a minute there. And like not on purpose, sometimes it's just the way the cookie crumbles, you know, whether it's, you know, Wi-Fi situation or in person. We're working on making the in-person ones video at some point too. But, you know, everything's like a little bit of an experiment with us. We try and keep you on your toes. That's just honestly, that's what like being friends with us is like. So you really get the experience. You just, you never yeah, know. Yeah, it's but, just a constant shit show. But And there it is. There it is. And just but, but no. no, happy to show our faces once again. First video episode of 2023. Here we go. And a good Speaking one at that. Of, you can like really see, guys, I you, got a your highlighter. Highlight is looking incredible. But it's funny because it's really just killing it on one side. And the it's other. the lighting is hitting it right like, on the other side. Like what if I'm, see what I, it's still better on the other side. It's still the angle, I think. Okay. All right. I'll take that. But like it I looks it, like. I went for one. I also Haley Bieber Dewey. I tried. I also got a contour stick. Mm, Trying that out, testing it. Never done it. I literally just was like at CVS and it's like a wet and wild, like it was four dollars or something like that. I was like, "Hmm, I'll give this a shot. And I like literally Googled how to contour face. So (laughs) in case anyone is wondering where my makeup skills are, they're non-existent, which if we've also stalked our videos and seen the disasters of eyebrow to spray tan to everything in between over the last years, we know this already. This is not new news. But like my biggest contour question for any of our makeup girlies out there, how the hell do you contour your chin without giving yourself a like a beard shadow? I was like trying to do it. And I was like, your this chin? is really? I've never yeah. done it to it's, my chin. It says I'd for like round faces. Oh, well, I guess that's why like you. Yeah, you go like this. You don't have a round face. Oh, shit. What? You don't. I Which do. Face I have a very have? round face. You have like a very pointed chin, I feel like. Like, look how it comes down. Look at how it comes to my face. Mine is a very round. And yours yeah, is Yeah, I guess like... yours is round. Yeah. I guess mine is like a little more oval. Yeah, oval. But is it? Or is yeah, that? It definitely is. Hmm. And folks, this is why you got to go check out YouTube sometimes because this <laughs> is clearly already being a very visual episode. Which, by the way, if you're there already, um, subscribe. 
It's super easy to do. And even if you're not there, subscribe because we need the subscribers. And if you have a Gmail account, anyone can subscribe on YouTube. And it just helps us grow, helps us reach new people, which I hope you guys are on board for because if you're here, I would hope you agree that politics needs to to be rebranded, needs to be more accessible. Like Mm -hmm. that's what we do here at Girl in the Gov. So like do your part, you know? Yeah. Take it as an action item. There it is. Literally an action item to continue civic engagement amongst young people. Like you can make a difference. Mm. You can make a difference. Speaking of action items, I did mention this on our the end of our top stories episode that dropped today. But I do want to bring it up once again. And that is that we are now sending out action items, resources, bookmark this, some of our back on our bullshit series in our company newsletter, which right now is a once a month little shindig. However, a little mm, buzz in the brain was getting us thinking about this, that we should do this a little more often. Make sure we're in your inboxes and you guys have stuff that's like right at your fingertips that way too. So here's really the quandary, the question, the, the thought of the hour is, do you want this weekly? Do you want it twice a month? Like what Cadence. Oh, I hate that word. I think I want it twice a month. Twice a month. Okay. (laughs) Also, what we forgot to plug in the top stories episode Uh was oh, featuring lady in the background. If you're a YouTube watcher, yeah, you can Um, see a cute dog if you're on YouTube. Yeah. Yes. There it is. We forgot to say to go plug in your email address on girlinthegov.com so you can be on our email list so that we can then send you said email, said newsletter. So if you literally just go to girlinthegov.com right now, a little pop-up will show up and you can just plug your email right in and then we will get you on the list for all future newsletters, Girl in the Gov newsletters. So yeah, let us know what you prefer. You can slide into our DMs. We're going to put a poll up on Instagram at some point. Or if you are wanting to just email us and let us know your thoughts, you can go to info at girlinthegov.com and send us those thoughts. But Speaking of top stories, mm. might as well give a little shout out to what we ran through so everyone can go oh, check sure. it out yep. because stories that we went over were Biden's classified documents, which Sam and I have many, many, many a thoughts on. Oh, yeah. And it's also a very, I think it's a big story. It requires a nice hearty explanation, which we definitely provide. So go listen to top stories for that. The Missouri misogynistic state ledge dress code situation we go over that in our many many thoughts as well <laughs> and we did not leave any thoughts behind no it, it was it was very um unfiltered to say the least GOP candidate who ended up shooting some lawmakers homes who just got arrested and then GOP rep banks who's announced that he's running for the Indiana Senate race in 2024. So we go over all of those things. Go check it out as well as my divine diversion travel story to, to kick it off. So lots of content there for you. So much content. Speaking of which, I did see some photos added to our shared album and I was like, oh my God. And the one that popped up on my phone while I was hoping it was some of the cool snow pics, which I did see. I did see. Guys, you'll know what you're talking what we're talking about if you go listen to top stories. But I did see a picture of Smalls just pop up on my computer with the notification. And I was like, this <laughs> is just the best day of my life. I know. And little Smallsy's face. Wait, He's also, Sam, a door. This is again more reason for a visual episode. Um, I went to watch the Georgia football game last week at a bar, and like all the fans there brought a bunch of like merch stuff for the Georgia Bulldogs. 
we need to make these for both Biggie Smalls and Howard, their little pins, and put Girl on the Gov merch on them. Just I'm saying. obsessed. What about stickers too? Yeah. Yeah. And stickers, whatever. Honestly, whatever mer- merch of all sorts. But that also, yeah, speaking just... of my snow content, I also made a personal TikTok little montage oh, of my Amtrak experience. One. It's really some user-generated content for the Amtrak account. They're welcome. And I'm hoping they will sponsor me. But yeah, you can. I don't even know what my handle is. It's Madison Blue, but I don't know how many E's there are or like how to get mm. you there. But I, I'll, I'll put it on my story on my personal Instagram if you guys follow me there. That's just mm-hmm. Maddie Medved. Which you know, follow us there too. You know, sometimes sometimes we post some things. It happens because it's social media. Nonetheless, don't miss out. Don't have FOMO. I please don't have FOMO. Like get to that's see, just we never have plugged our, our personal Instagram accounts, but you guys should know, listen. We well, should. I mean listen, follow. You guys should follow clearly a podcaster. You guys should follow us because we're all friends here and you can see what our personal lives are like. We're not all politics. You know, mm. so go follow us. Mine's just Maddie Medved. Do you know how many Y's are in yours? Do you know how to spell it out? <laughs> we'll put it in the okay, episode guys, description if you guys want. Let's count the Y's. To follow. Oh, okay. Sammy. Like it's like, <laughs> okay. Sammy with three Y's underscore whammy. One Y. Period. Mm. We'll put it Which- in the episode description. Yeah. Follow us. There it Come is. Say hi. Before we get into this interview in this episode, there was one just story I wanted to get your thoughts on and continue to talk about, which is the George Santos of it all. Because mm. while we don't like this man, we do love the tea that he provides us. And right. Right, right. I just wanted to go over some some new um some new stuff because Spill it. his former roommate, did you see this? No. Came out with some tea. I think he did a CNN like exclusive interview basically. And he said that the roommate. Um, the roommate said that he showed signs of delusions of grandeur during their time living together in New York City. So Maury Parker, I guess that's his name, shared an apartment with Santos for a few months. Um, and he said that Santos made a series of claims about his life and personal finances that, quote, didn't seem feasible and that Santos would, quote, go to bars with rolls of hundred dollar bills. And three days later, he would have no money. Oh, so you know what is funny about this in so many levels is there are people I know, like friends of mine, friends of friends, I've had wild city roommate experiences kind of sounding like that or variations on a theme the lying roommate the crazy roommate Mm -hmm. that's just like you're like this story doesn't add up they're delusional in some way or just absolutely they're bonkers and i had one in college okay we're gonna need to circle back to that let me tell you but it's just where wait hold on train of thought come back together get back on the amtrak here eat This is an Amtrak not sponsored. podcast. <laughs> it is. It is. And you'll have to find out all the reasons more. Top stories yet again. Okay. I need to stop plugging us. I need to just say my comment. And that is that I feel like you hear all these stories, but then you don't expect that person to run for office necessarily. Mm-hmm. But it leads me to this thing that I have told some of my friends for years. And it's usually when they like deal with someone crazy, just absolutely an asshole at work. And I always say to them, I'm like, you know, you think about high school, college, someone or a cra- another, you know, someone's wacky roommate out there. 
like just because you graduate and go your separate ways from these people and you never deal with them again personally, that wildly wacky person is still out in the universe. They're still hired by someone. They're mm-hmm. still living their lives. They're still someone else is then experiencing those crazy stories yes. and delusions. Hundred percent. Totally. And it's just so interesting how in the world, like the wacky human, they don't just disappear. Like they just go on to another part of life. Like there's well, not this, like a expert story is, wacky. Is is honestly the story really feeds into that thought of yours because basically the roommate said that he figured Santos had been lying about a number of things, including his personal wealth and academic history. But he began to doubt himself after the campaign, being like, Oh, well, maybe I was wrong in my assumption about him because he just won a seat into Congress, one of the highest positions in the land. And poor guy was like, maybe I'm delusional. Oh, no. And just if you're out there, like, trust your gut, people. If you do have a crazy roommate, like, they are out there tricking more people probably. But the story doesn't really stop because he also, the roommate also said that Santos appeared wearing a scarf stolen from him at a now infamous rally and speech on January 5th, 2021. Maury Parker said the allegedly nicked neckwear wasn't his foremost concern. And so he said, this is a quote, he is one of the highest elected officials in the country. He is responsible for making the laws. Yes, I do miss my stone check Burberry scarf. But at the same time, it's why I feel like they're not focusing enough on the issues at hand. Where did all this money come from to finance the campaign? The whole thing is quite bewildering to me. I just I have so many comments on the what if you had a crazy roommate and you like knew they were crazy and then they like ran for Congress I would already be like annoyed that they're running for Congress I would be like I want to expose you so bad Mm -hmm. and then they show up in a scarf that they stole from you your Burberry scarf it's stone checked Burberry scarf it's so specific it's so funny (laughs) this is not going to be the end of George Santos tea by any means because also there was one other thing i just wanted to raise that was another story regarding him because concerns over his backstory were actually known prior to the election apparently and so there was trepidation among consultants donors and other republicans including those in washington that what santos was saying about himself wasn't accurate and that his biography didn't line up the source says there had also been an expectation that some kind of major story would drop in the press before the election but that story never came Mm-hmm. Okay. For mm-hmm. video watchers, Samantha's face was telling. <laughs> Just wild because I really position like someone like Santos was so unknown to us, what, a month and a half ago? And I'm sure over his time in Congress, we would have become somewhat familiar there is it's so interesting especially just with like house members because there are so many of them there really are some where like they are household names for better or for worse like the good the bad the ugly and then there are some that are you know they get their 10 minutes not 15 you know sometimes 20 minutes of fame they get some time on time on the brain and then there's some you literally you're you're like i've never heard of this person in my life you can't even believe that this this person's a, a representative. Like some of them really do slip under the radar. A lot of times on purpose, go listen to our episode with Eric Olson, who's the communications director on the Hill, if you want to like learn more about that angle of things. That said, this just goes to show how quickly things change in politics. 
a month and a half, this relatively nationally unknown, newly elected, is on the tips of all of our tugs. He's a constant conversation piece. Mm -hmm. And I think he's definitely now being, like, taken in by the crazies Mm -hmm. of the GOP because he's now getting so much press and like he's just gonna be a part of like what's the name do they have a name like the squad has a name like do well, there's the, the freedom mgts caucus. okay so relatively like generally speaking but he was hanging out with them at the whole oh. mccarthy week yeah. debacle right so him, him and, well at least him and marjorie taylor agreed he wasn't seeming to get too many bff high fives and fist bumps from the rest of them when I saw from the visuals, but like him and Marjorie Taylor Green had some great moments, great in quotes, hanging together. And there was an image of them together that became a meme about the space lasers. <laughs> this is our Congress we're talking about. Yeah. Just, <laughs> this is one of our largest legislative bodies. Nothing um, to worry about, folks. Our largest, actually, here. legislative body. Yeah. Space lasers. Huh. But, yeah, that's Santa's tea for the day, for the week. We will be sure well, to come back with any more when it, when it spills, which I'm sure it will. But you know what it also begs the question of is who, honestly, we're going to hear more about throughout this year. Like, who are going to be, like, some of these people that really pop onto the radar and also who kind of like shifts out of focus you know yeah yeah it will be interesting to see who of these new newbies become part of the popular group who becomes popular kids you know Mm, that is an interesting stars positioning of it right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. what who who gets into the in crowd Mm -hmm. who keeps to the outskirts we see some of it play out on both sides of the aisle but i would love like a real total behind the scenes fly on the wall like vantage point on who's cool who's not and why like what the little insular cliques are and clubs are and whatever it's just the bravo liberty person in me i can't help it sorry not really yeah yeah nonetheless we should introduce our guest as well as Give them a little teaser of, of what's to come in this episode, mm. Samantha, because we have a gift for you all. A gift. We, like, too, oh, my God. It's like not even a holiday. Mm. We're so generous. Yep. Wow. Early early Galentine. we? Galentine's oh. gift. Oh. Um. <laughs> we can see how I feel about this holiday. The holiday we all love to hate. But just, I hate red and pink. Don't go. You, well, we know how I feel about the color red. So there's just no way. That I'm getting into it. Mm-hmm. It's just, and the teddy bears are about quality. I mean, do you, there are so many. <laughs> okay, okay. Anyways, okay, okay. okay. Sorry, 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 sorry. So, this week's episode is with Congressman Rokana of California, and we're talking to him about an element of the housing crisis, specifically about institutional investors that are going after the housing market, buying up homes and causing a real mm, ruckus. And if you are just out there considering going to buy a home at some point you know, in your life, this would be an act to know about and to help get across the finish line. We get all into it. So you'll learn more and more, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. That's the teaser. I don't want to give away too much. We will also be having the congressman back on to talk about more and more things. 
Congressman Khanna is very much team term limits for the Supreme Court. So we will have him back on to talk a little bit more about that and the legislation that we'll ask. For now, this episode is all about the housing crisis, the bill he has proposed to help fix an element of that. So uh, we're going to get into it. But before I say further, without further ado, we have that present. I oh, forgot yeah. about the present already. <laughs> I did too. And that is that we included all of the Fast Five in this mm-hmm. episode for you guys. We have all five of the questions. They're included. We just felt like, you know, we did two audio episodes in a row. And this is just the perfect visual treat. Truly. Yeah, we usually clip these on our TikTok and Reels. So if you've seen them there, if not, if you haven't heard of our Fast Five, they're fun little questions to really bring the personalities out of these out of these politicos that we interview. And they're they're pretty funny. And just we just love them. So we're going to include all of them today mm. so you guys can have them. Another reason to like go watch on YouTube, maybe. But without further ado, here's Congressman Khan. Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Chews Advanced. From the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beet brand for heart health support, the new Superbeats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Superbeats Heart Chews Advance are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, Get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, we are getting into a wild, a wild west of a problem today. We are talking about institutional housing investors and what they're doing in terms of housing and buying up huge segments of the market. And we have just the question for you from our audience, which is what exactly is happening? Can you shed light on what this mess is? First of all, thank you for having me on. I'm a big fan. I'm really excited to be on. And I appreciate what you're doing in helping make complex policy accessible. And that's what I hope to do here. Look, what's going on is Wall Street firms, private equity firms, they're targeting areas largely low and working class areas, low income and working class areas, and they're buying up homes and they're doing that and then holding them and waiting for them to appreciate. Now, what the problem is, is that you and I, if you want to buy a home, you're now competing with Wall Street speculation. And so they're taking away homes that ordinary people could be buying, pushing up the prices, making them more unaffordable. And a lot of times they're charging rents that are higher than inflation if they rent them out. Mm-hmm. And what is really 
the goal and incentive here? I think it's pretty obvious, but can you kind of paint that picture too of like why this is happening and how it benefits these these big housing investors? Well, these housing investors are getting subsidized by your tax dollars, Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, and the secondary market to go make these purchases. And they make these purchases. They think it's going to appreciate the housing value over a few years. And it often does, especially because taxpayers are subsidizing them to do this. But the problem is they're pricing out a lot of people to get homes. I mean, it's we didn't sign up to be serfs to Wall Street. We fought a revolution for the American dream so people could have some shot of buying a home. They're making it harder. You know, this policy started, it was well-intentioned. It was after the 2008 financial crash. Uh, home values had totally decimated. And we started subsidizing some of these institutional investors to buy up homes to stabilize the housing market. But we're long past that. It's almost 14 years later. These subsidies shouldn't exist. Totally. And I have a question that I think a lot of our listeners will have as well, which is, what is Freddie May, Freddie May and Freddie Mac uh-huh. or Fannie Mae? Or, can you give us the run through as to what those names are, what's behind them? Because they're always in the news, but I actually don't think anyone knows what they are unless they're in finance. That's a great point. They, they actually do a, a really important job. And their job is to provide loans loan guarantees to banks for home buyers. And so if you want to go get a mortgage for your home, uh, a lot of times the banks can give that to you at a, a, a more affordable rate because they know that Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae are helping them make those loans or guaranteeing those loans. And so that helps ordinary people, working class, middle class folks buy a home. The, the challenge is that it's designed to help people, families. It's not designed to help Wall Street institutional investors. And right now, Wall Street institutional investors are benefiting from it. Mm -hmm. And this is creating something like corporate landlords. Can you kind of explain what that looks like and why, you know, that creates some like dangers for average renters? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one, it's pricing people out from being able to buy their home. Two, you basically are now having these corporate landlords making the decisions from Wall Street. You know, when you have a landlord who you know in the community, you can't make a month's rent. You pro- they probably may understand. They'll understand if you have some issue with your, with your place. And they'll understand if a community is hurting. But here, <clears throat> the decisions are being made on Wall Street, and they're often raising the rents. They're often not keeping the upkeep of, of these apartments. But, you know, why does all this policy gobbledygook matter? It matters because young people can't buy a home, many of them for the first time in recent American history. I mean, that used to be the American dream. You graduate either from a community college or you get a trades certification or college. And after a few years, you get a starter home. Well, they're being priced out. And part of the problem is what Wall Street's doing. And then they can't afford the rents. And part of the problem is what Wall Street's doing. So if you care about buying a home, if you care about affordable rent, you should care about position. Totally. And I have a question just to hop back to what happened in 2008. Why was that policy designed without a sunset clause in there? Uh-huh. Like, I feel like there's so many bills, so many acts, so many issues of funding where it's like, okay, we're going to do this for two years, or this is going to be live for five, and then it needs to be reevaluated. Why does this seem to not have an end date? It's a great point. You know, it wasn't actually 
official that Congress passed something. It was just that Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae started to do this at the time. And it was a, they had the statutory authority to do it. What my bill does is takes away that statutory authority because they've kept doing it. But I, yeah, you're right. I mean, they, they should realize now that what was needed in 2008 is not needed now, that the people who are benefiting from it are, are, are Wall Street firms. And look, this isn't the whole problem for housing. We also need right. to build more housing. We need more grants. But this is one of the problems. And it's infuriating in certain places. And particularly if you go to Nevada and you see the corporate housing, if you look at some of the corporate housing in my district, there are places in this country where it's really pricing people out. Yeah. And to get into that a little further, like what are some of the kind of big markets that we see being impacted the most by this? And also in that same you know, breath, what demographics of people are also being kind of like targeted here? Well, it's very cynical, their strategy. I mean, it's, it's impacting certainly Vegas area, Phoenix area, the Bay area, but they often are going in and they're not buying the million dollar homes, the $2 million homes. They're looking for homes under 500,000. So they're looking for homes that, that are accessible to working class and middle class Americans. And then they're, they're buying those homes up and holding them vacant, waiting for them to appreciate or putting them up for rent. And in the process, making it harder for ordinary Americans to get a home. Home ownership is the biggest source of wealth generation in this country. And there's a huge difference, frankly, along racial lines. I think home ownership for white Americans is around 62%. For black Americans, it's under 50%. For Latino Americans, it's under 50%. And a lot of times they're targeting these things in black and Latino neighborhoods, which is even more sad because we need to be doing things to increase home ownership there, not decrease it. Mm -hmm. Totally. Well, speaking of solutions, we do want to talk about your Stop Wall Street Landlords Act. Can you (laughs) run us through what this would do and how it would work? Well, it's pretty simple. It says, Samantha, you, you should stop subsidizing Wall Street from buying up these homes. So it would stop Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae from providing any subsidies to, to Wall Street in buying this, these, these homes. Secondly, it would say if Wall Street or if these big institutional investors buy up these homes then and they hold them for more than two years, they're going to be taxed on that. So you can't just buy this, these homes up and hold them for 10 years as an asset appreciation. You want to do that, go buy stock. You know, don't don't buy up people's homes. Mm-hmm. And there would also be a tax credit in this that would help affordable housing developers build and remodel homes in low-income areas. So can you kind of explain the tactic here of how that is hoping to push more institutional investors away? Well, what we what we're trying to do is get increase the housing supply. That's critical, and particularly the housing supply in low-income and middle-income areas. Yeah, we need to do more than what my bill calls for, but it's a start to provide a tax credit to builders if they're building homes in low- and middle-class, low-income and middle-class areas, and if they're making sure that those are affordable homes. Homes not just for people who are poor, but homes for teachers and plumbers and firefighters, a lot of them who are being priced out of their communities, and the tax credit would help create more of that housing. Totally. Well, getting into our I have a stupid question segment, we have a lot of terms on this list, including a few that were in this act when we read through it. One of those is mortgage interest deduction. What is that? That one I, is, is pretty simple for, for folks who, 
who have a home and have a mortgage. If you have a not mortgage, <laughs> not, yeah, that, partly because of what Wall Street's doing. That's why. Sure. That's why young people are are being able to buy homes. I mean, there are other contributing factors, but Wall Street is one of them. You know, if you if you when you get a home, hopefully, if you want to get a home, and you take out a loan from the bank, and that loan is two hundred thousand dollars to 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 help make the payment, and you know you got to pay probably twenty percent down, and then you take out a two hundred thousand dollar loan. Then you're going to have a monthly payment on your mortgage to pay off that two hundred thousand with interest, and you can deduct that monthly payment from your taxes. So let's say your monthly payment is about a thousand bucks at the end of the year. If you make fifty thousand dollars, you'll be able to say, "I, I take twelve thousand dollars off. I only need to pay tax on thirty-eight thousand." Mm. You. This is just triggering a bunch of conversations with my father because he's a mortgage <laughs> broker. And so he's always trying to break this down for me. But can you also answer for us what is an institutional housing investor and who or what qualifies as one? I think if it's simply it's just someone we define as more than $100 million of assets. So if your parents or people you know who are in the community want to buy a second or third home and put it out for rent, we're not saying that they can't still benefit from Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. What we're really targeting are private equity firms, big businesses that have over $100 million in asset, they shouldn't be allowed to be buying these things with taxpayer subsidies. Got it. And then on another lane within this conversation, what is a mom and pop investor? Because I feel Uh like this might qualify for a lot of my friends that own investment properties. They own, you know, a one-off building here or, you know, an apartment complex, you know, somewhere else but they own like one piece of property or maybe up to three. Like, is that a mom and pop investor or is it, it something is. else? It is. Okay. I mean, that's a colloquial term. It doesn't have an exact <laughs> definition. But what, what we say is if you have less than sort of 25 properties. So it's not designed to go after people who just are investing in the community and, and maybe putting things up for rent. It's really designed to go after people who are putting big money in, in, in buying up homes. Mm-hmm. And last one, I promise of this, I have a stupid question segment. <laughs> <laughs> what is a predatory practice and who is usually the, the perpetrator here? It's a great question and it's very disputed. Predatory practice means that if a company is making an unfair profit, unfair profit based on certain conditions and that are they're taking advantage, for example, of the war in Ukraine and charging too much for oil or gas, if they're charging too much for rent. And it's, it's somewhat subjective. Is is it just that they're tar- charging the market rate or are they really taking advantage of people and charging too much? A lot of people feel that the rents in some of these places, the profits have been obscene and they have been predatory in really taking advantage of people and in, in what they're charging. Interesting. Well, we want to zoom out a little bit and just look at this housing crisis in general across the country. What are some of the other factors and other contributors to this housing crisis? The biggest thing I would say is a lack of housing supply. I mean, we've got to build more housing and we've got to build more housing that's affordable, housing that people really have access to. If they're a teacher, a firefighter, a dental hygienist, you know, if they're just doing a, a normal profession where they're not making $500,000 million a year. And, and the second thing we need to do is provide some form of grant assistance for first-time home buyers so that we can get people into their first home. Mm-hmm. And can you tell us too a little bit about your district and if there these issues particularly affect your constituents and, and if so, how? Now they affect my constituents 
most acutely. I mean, think about it. The rent, the average rent for a one-bedroom apartment in most parts of my district is $2,500, I mean, a month. And so, you know, you have a lot of people who've made a lot of money, tech executives. I represent Silicon Valley who have really driven up real estate prices. And we've got two problems in my district. We're not building enough affordable housing. We need to be building far more affordable housing. And secondly, we're not, we've got these corporations, private equity, buying up some of this housing that they shouldn't be buying up. Interesting. And just thinking about solutions also in like other parts of the country. And actually, you know, I'm going to read, let me rephrase this. I want to look back at specifically building more housing. Why is more housing not being built? Like, what is the thing that's sort of getting in the way of doing that? Is it zoning? Is it materials? Like, why? And also, how did we get to this point where, especially I feel like post-pandemic, this is so much more of an issue than it was in like 2019? Yeah. I I, I think... Um... It's more of an issue now because people have, they're working from home. They realize that they don't have to necessarily be in the office space. But the, 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 the big challenge is often zoning because if you're in a community, a lot of times you don't want more people coming into your schools. You don't want more traffic. Let's just be blunt. Sometimes you don't want the quote unquote wrong kind of people. People may look different from you, maybe less wealthy than you. And so communities often have this nimbyism where they don't want to build more housing. And I've been very critical of that nimbyism. I think we have to be building more affordable housing. And the federal government could provide massive incentives for cities to do that. Mm-hmm. Totally. And what do incentives like that look like? Is this just grants? Is this tax credit? Like, what does that typically look like? And say it's something like that. Does the city itself handle the execution of something like that, or is it on the individual to do it? The city could handle it. So one proposal that was in Build Back Better, it didn't get passed, is we will give the city grants for transportation upgrades, school upgrades, more construction, uh, as long as excuse me, the city is as long as the city is building more dense housing, and so the city has to hit certain metrics that we're going to build more housing, their transit. And if they do that, then we will build, then they'll get the federal grants and qualified for that. Mm-hmm. Well, for this issue, especially overpriced housing and rentals, it's an issue that's that are, you know, hitting, I guess, our target demographic pretty hard. Right. Is there any other tips or especially like civically that you can give our listeners to like look to obviously calling reps or ho- house members? is one thing, but is there any other suggestions you have for how to kind of make change on state levels, local levels on this issue to kind of help our generation secure housing a little easier? Yeah, I know it's a huge issue. I would say that the two places to advocate are with first starting at the city council, you know, city council, are they building more affordable housing? What is their plan to build affordable housing, not just for people who are very low income, but for People may be professionals, but can't afford to buy a house. And then what are they doing to stabilize rent? Rent, in my view, should never be increasing more than inflation. And those are decisions that a city council can make, that the state can make. We need federal policy. I'm talking about how we have massive change. But in terms of advocacy, I think people should start in their own communities to push for more housing being built and to push for 
some cap on on rents. Yeah, absolutely. The rent is insane and it never seems to stop going up. So there's that. I do have one specific question within that spectrum. I'm curious if you have any insights at like the federal level on this is something that we deal with in New York is that there's a lot of units that are technically available and the landlords won't put them on the market and they're just sitting there empty. Sometimes it's that they are rent stabilized and for them to put them back on the market, they have to update them. They won't do that. So they're just sitting there and then it increases the supply and demand issue. So then the prices just keep going up. Is there anything that can be done at the federal level to stop that or yeah, I guess generally stop that because it's killing us. Killing us. Yeah, no, that's, thanks for sharing that. I We should have a vacancy tax probably on, on rentals too. Just like I, my bill has a vacancy tax on housing. You gave me a good idea. I mean, maybe we should also apply that vacancy tax to, to rental units that aren't being mm-hmm. rented. So you incentivize that getting onto the market. Yeah. I think there was something similar past this last election in San Francisco where I live that is kind of coming after those landlords that are just letting their units sit vacant. So yeah, that's another, this this issue is just so tiered and there are a lot of solutions that are needed. But again, also for our listeners, any suggestions on how to get involved, whether it be with this act or anything else that can help kind of solve this, these issues? First, show up to your city councils and, and advocate locally on the federal level. Obviously, I'd love for folks to if you like this idea of, of, of stopping Wall Street from buying up homes in your community, then, you know, talk to folks who are federal officials and express the view that we shouldn't be subsidizing of, of, of Wall Street to buy up these homes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is an exciting act, one we hope gets some traction and, you know, gets across the finish line. So thank you so much for walking us through it. For our listeners that want to learn more about you, find out, you know, what other things you have in the hopper, where can they find you? You can get me at, at Roke on Twitter, on Facebook. You can go to my website, www.rokana.com. Amazing. Amazing. The one thing we forgot to mention this at the beginning, we do a social media series called Fast Five. Yeah. And they're like fun little questions. Okay, cool. Let's do one. All right. To start it off, what is your dream political power couple? And this is the rules of the game are everyone's fluid, everyone's single. These are just two people that would just make the best power couple in politics. Oh, I was going to say the best power couple was Barack and Michelle Obama, but they're not single. So I got to I got to think about a different different one. So they've got to both be single. No, just everyone is single. Like you can match anyone with anyone. Okay. Well, so I'll, I'll go with Barack and Michelle Obama then. I mean, I think they epitomize the best power couple. I don't, I don't, I don't know how you top that. We'll see. No, I, we question. agree. And if we had a poll for everyone, you know, who answers that question with that same answer, I'll like it. it would be <laughs> like the winner for sure, which we stand by as well. You can't, you really can't beat it. Okay. Next one is what is your favorite political scandal or blooper? I'm really curious to see what your answer is mm-hmm. for this one. So something just that made you chuckle. You know, we had a fox that was chasing members of Congress in the Capitol. And I, I remember I think that, that. And I think that the American people were cheering for the fox over the members of Congress. Then when it, they started to attack the staff, the sympathy switched to the staff. But I remember how many people were tweeting out about that fox. And it made me realize exactly how well-regarded members of Congress are. 
it's a whole new type of popularity contest. You know, yeah. it's how, you know, how is the Fox versus Congress doing? I like it. <laughs> All right. What is your dream politician and celebrity mashup? So a celebrity and a politician that would come together and take on an issue. Maybe it's housing. You know what? <laughs> One of the things that I got to work on last year was with Paris Hilton. And I initially I'm not someone who, you know, my celebrity knowledge is really, really poor. And I also get made fun of for that. But I, I, so I Paris Hilton wanted to be and I was an Initially, like, okay, what's this about? But she was so committed, so passionate. She went to one of these congregate care facilities as a kid and faced abuse and trauma. And for the past year and a half, she's been so diligent in trying to get this legislation so that other young people don't have to go through it. And I've really enjoyed working with her on it. I love that so much. That's, that's hot. iconic. Let's say it's living. No, um, that's amazing. I love that so much. I was going to say, can it be someone, you and somebody else? But you already have it. You already have the mashup that we need. Okay, who is your favorite politician on the other side of the aisle? You know, I, 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 I like Mike Gallagher. He is a, a Marine. He's a PhD. There are not many PhDs in, in Congress. He's <laughs> from Wisconsin. He's on armed services. He's going to chair the China Select Committee. We have huge disagreements in, in the Armed Services Committee. I want to a lower Pentagon spending. He wants to take it up, but he's honorable. He's patriotic. He's civil. And I, you know, I think we need more of that in this country. Yes. Amen. All right. Last question. What do you think the most underrated elected office is across the board? Well, by far the House of Representatives. And we don't, we, you know, everyone talks about the president and the vice president and the senators and the House is kind of just all those folks. But you know, people saw for that one week as dysfunctional as it was. It, it's kind of fun. It's a, you know, you go to the Senate and like everyone's quiet and can't be on your phones. And it's, you know, back to like the Victorian era. The House, everyone's like laughing and hopefully we're not fighting and people are on their phones and joking around. And it's like being part of America. I mean, so mm -hmm. I, I love being in the House of Representatives and I hope some of the folks who are listening to you will run for the House. And I love this new generation. We got... Maxwell Frost is 25 and probably got people in like their 20s and 30s getting into Congress. So that's been great. Wait, speaking totally. of C-SPAN and everything that happened last week, how can we get Rep Pocan's C-SPAN legislation across the finish line? Because we need more C-SPAN. We need constant we streaming. It's such good entertainment. Obviously, it's important to watch, obviously. But like also some of the viral moments from last week, just absolutely iconic. I was like, this is the only thing that can improve Congress's perception. It's like people will be yeah. like, ah, oh, it's more entertaining. They're, they're actually human or something. So I don't understand yeah. why why we don't have cameras. Screen. You know, I think that it's a time where we need to be transparent. We need to be more open. One of the things I respect about some of the younger members is the fact that they're on Instagram, the fact they're actually showing the building. It's like they're making Congress and, and government much more accessible. It's partly what you're doing on your shows and podcasts. So I, I'm all for having C-SPAN there all the time, and I'm going to support that legislation. Yeah, I love it. Amazing. All right. Well, you made it through our past five. Thank you so much. This was so good, and you answered all of our questions, which is always, always appreciated. And we will definitely be watching this and making sure all of our followers are getting involved if possible. So thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for bringing attention to this, and thank you for what you're doing to get young people engaged in politics. I, it, it, that is my hope. It's a time of such despair sometimes.
I was being in the House of Representatives. I mean, yesterday we had to vote on these awful bills, basically trying to ban abortion, gutting ethics. And I think what you're doing in terms of getting young people engaged is so important. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And hang in there in this yeah, Congress. Yeah, you got this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll right. be rooting for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.